there is a worse way of parenting. That's why you're seeing some of the social ills that you're seeing in the West. Nobody has a perfect system. Africa has the same issues. Everywhere has the same issues. But the difference with um, most of the West versus Africa is we still give chance to those middle ground people. People who are not on or extremes of discipline and oh no Johnny I'm your friend you know don't be upset <laughs> you know um, so with no extremes there's a middle ground where you're friends to your child but you're also a disciplinarian or your parents you know you're a teacher just as much as you're a counselor you're a coach you're all those things but you cannot be all those things or even one of those things if you don't start for self-retrospection. So first thing is really self-retrospect. Second thing, model what you're trying to achieve. You're listening to Journey to Fatherhood, a podcast that inspires and equips men to becoming more intentional and feeling more supported on the journey to fatherhood. Why wait to become a father before learning how to be a good one? My name is Chinidim Wabwenaya, a young man also on his journey with a desire to help men become great fathers despite their past personal experiences. I'll be sitting with different guests to bring you great value, sharing their knowledge and their experiences as we all embark on this amazing journey. This podcast, though targeted towards men, ladies, you will also gain great value from the conversations. Now, without further ado, let the journey begin. Hi everyone, thank you for joining us again today. This is Journey to Fatherhood podcast. I want to welcome you and tell you it's another great episode coming along. If you didn't listen to it last week, last week we talked about men and mental health and we had a lot of interest during our IG live. We had questions and questions and we hope we answered them. But today we've got something that comes very dear to me and something I think is always relevant. The topic for today is understanding, really understanding the merge between Western and non-Western upbringing of fathers. So today, to help us answer that question and help us discuss that, I've got my great friend, Sharon David, who's going to be here to actually talk about this. Now, before we get into it and a little introduction. Now, I met Sharon about six, about five years ago now, four or five years ago now. And when I met him, he was really passionate about his desire to really reshape the idea of young leaders in African countries, but also as an entrepreneur himself. He's built a business, multiple businesses, but the great thing about it is consistently inspiring and putting out great content to motivate and elevate people. So without further ado, welcome, Sharon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate uh, the invite, Chinidum. I, I honestly see it as a privilege to share any thoughts, so thank you for inviting me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Just give us a little bit more about you because I understand you're a serial entrepreneur. How mm-hmm. much can we know from your endeavors or are you willing to share? Okay, um, well, uh, always willing to share. So uh, a bit of a background uh, as um, Chinedum, as you said, I'm a serial entrepreneur, um, which means that I have my hands in a few uh, projects um, yeah. that are businesses. Uh, some are for-profits and some are non-profits. So uh, the two key ones that come to mind uh, uh, 
for this question is the luxury shoe uh, business, which I started about four and a half years ago. Um, and then the nonprofit based in Nigeria, um, Redefine Africa Foundation. And the goal for the foundation really is to support entrepreneurs, uh, to equip entrepreneurs, and also to finance entrepreneurs and their ideas, because, you know, I uh, believe that in Africa, the solution to Africans' problem lies within entrepreneurship or heavy yeah. within entrepreneurship and the success of people. Um, and uh, prior to that, I had opened up a TM Lewin store in uh, Nigeria. And I think that's what most people sort of uh, know me for. Um, mm. I'm also a published author of two books. I've published two, two books. One's uh, uh, titled Proverbs of an Inspired Yoruba Man, um, which uh, really touches on, you know, the topic that we'll be talking about today, really, because it was, uh, I, I didn't grow up with my father, but most African fathers pride themselves in uh, using proverbs to develop um, character in um, their children. So uh, I decided to publish about 60 proverbs um, that mean quite a lot to me uh, based on my childhood. Uh, and I developed them into motivational talks and uh, actually developed um, them broadly. Um, and then um, the uh, second book is called Knowing Your Game. Um, and that was back in 2008. Uh, the book with that one is that you, uh, the premise with that book is that uh, knowledge is a mental thing, knowing is an experiential thing. And whatever you're trying to achieve, you must move from knowledge to knowing um, if you want to survive. And that's, that's, pretty wow. much, that's pretty much my background. I like what you said there, knowledge to knowing. Can you just, before we even go further, I just that, yeah. that particular phrase, I find it very interesting because surely knowledge is knowing. Mm. It's, not, it's not. Uh, knowing is the transformational um side of knowledge it's the point the juncture where you what you know in your head makes sense the knowledge you have okay. in your head makes sense to your heart that's when knowing happens and the way i like to put the example is this i have great knowledge on what the space looks like of the planets outside earth i have great knowledge because i have read books I have watched movies, so I have knowledge. I understand that there's no gravity in space because I have read it. But an astronaut has a knowing. He can tell you the temperature, the feeling he had. He can tell you what the texture of sand is in Mars. He can tell you um, intricacies and details. He's moved from knowledge to knowing because he's added experience to it. And what you want to do with whatever you're trying to achieve is you had an internal experience to it. You have moments with it. You experience your game internally. And that makes it really, really um, resilient against all the issues that will come up in life because we will always have challenges. That's It's, it's bound to happen. But the difference between somebody who keeps going despite the challenges is because they've moved from just an idea of what they want to achieve in their lives. They've actually gone to a pace where they're convinced that that's why they're alive. 
they're totally mm. convinced that the reason why they're alive is to do this nothing else and that's what knowing happens that's when knowing really happens and you can take them in little pieces as well right you can cut yeah. them down into you know um, your business endeavor you know something a bit more um uh, data driven right yes mm -hmm. you get the data in front of you right that's knowledge you um that's that's data you transform the data into information that's knowledge when you transform the information to insight in order for you to make perfect or good uh, good enough decisions out of that data that's knowing and that's those are the sort of uh, that's the premise on that okay it's interesting you started off with that because that just led me to the next question i wanted to know i wanted to ask you so with mm -hmm. knowledge and knowing in the, in the way you've across now mm -hmm. bear in mind this topic of fatherhood and the difference in upbringings we are aware that there there is no doubt there is a difference in terms of the way young people are brought up in Nigeria and over here mm -hmm. so what knowledge have you had to be able to make a better informed decision in terms of knowing how to raise your kids as a father of two so before I answer that question um, I think it's important to put a premise here right yeah there's no, uh, and this is going to be controversial, there's no good and bad way to raise a son, as it were. Okay. Now, there's some extreme cases where it's it's uh, damaging, uh, yeah. the things you do, um, but the journey to, not just to raise a son, but to raise children, um, there's no particular good or bad way. And what I mean is, um, in Africa, growing up, the idea was that your father was a disciplinarian. Yeah. And in the West, for example, the it's a bit more laxed. The father is uh, slightly a bit more um, friendly. He seemed to want to have game nights with his kids. He wants to play with them. He wants to laugh with them. He wants to ask them the stories. He wants to read them bedtime stories. Now, you can look at it and think, okay, yeah, the West is better because it's more engaging. However, that child could also grow up without knowing boundaries, not knowing the importance of setting boundaries or knowing the importance of um, uh, respecting people. And this is not just elders. This is just people generally because you've not learned those key uh, um, almost like uh, interpersonal skills that your disciplinarian dad would have subliminally even without him knowing he would have given you some a little bit of it right now okay. we always have a an interesting way of looking back at our childhood every one of us believes that our childhood was either really good or really bad there's rarely anyone that looks at it from in between so I want to put that balance first before answering that um, yeah. because I don't want the answer to portray as though or there's a better way uh, and the um the nigerian way nigerian way is the bad way right okay. so he has challenges and vice versa so in terms of knowledge and what i've learned about fatherhood um i think the key some of the key lessons i've learned about fatherhood is that uh, nobody quite prepares you for it um you fatherhood is beyond having a child fatherhood is moving beyond 
um, just uh, the number of seeds that you have. It's really about um, self-awareness first as an individual, understanding what are those things that uh, prompt you to shout, get you angry, um, or, or even the way you see life, you know, self-introspection. Yes, you might be saying that the way you're, you were brought up was good. It's the disciplinarian way your dad brought you up was good. But actually, is it good? Is it good based on the characteristics or the, uh, the attributes of your child? Uh, is it good? So you really want to start with self-introspection and really ask yourself those tough questions. Because if you don't start from that point, you would make the same mistakes that your parents made, if they made any. And um, the good thing about the opportunity that we all have as as fathers is to make a, to leave a better legacy than the previous generation, just like our next generation will have that same mindset, you know. So it's always continuous, a continuous improvement. And the problem for most people is that they find it difficult to let go of how they were brought up and find new ways that is um, considerate, uh, that considers the environment that you grew up in. And that those are, those, those are some of the lessons. So I, the second lesson for me was also understanding my environment, understanding the UK, the laws, the, you know, the different parts that really makes it, um, uh, a bit more um, of a conscious effort to raise kids, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I have to learn all those things as well. Understand that from uh, from 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 the environment where I live, it's the child at the age of four. From the age of four, uh, it's mandatory that that child goes to school. And if that child doesn't go to school <laughs> because I feel that they're not teaching that child pro properly, I cannot just withdraw the child, <laughs> right? Because education is key in this environment. But where I grew up, for example, my father could just take me out from that school, keep me at home for a week until he finds another school. Yeah. Well, you know, in this environment, I can't do that. So those, so those are the two key things I've learned, self-introspection, and understanding the environments where you live. Okay, I appreciate you sharing that because in, in the, at the start of this um, this conversation, you mentioned about your upbringing um, mm -hmm. in terms of having a father around. Could you just give me how? What was your experience exactly growing up? So I didn't know my dad till I was fifteen. Um, oh, wow. So okay. um, I didn't grow up with him, and even when I met him at fifteen, um, yeah. we we never lived under the same roof. Um, so my my relationship with my father has been uh, predominantly um, conscious, a, a conscious effort on on yeah. both our sides to make it work for both of us in that sense. Um, but in terms of fatherly figures, I, I never lacked fatherly figures. You know, I always had my grandfather, an uncle. Um, someone in on the streets um, that I could look up to in some shape or form. Some were good, some were bad, but generally I always had a male figure, uh, a father yeah. figure that I can look up to. Okay, and I'm happy you mentioned that in terms of father figures because mine, it, it, it's, it's, it's interesting how we look at it because many can say, you know, I don't have a father, but I had to make, but you 
I like what you talked about, conscious effort. Because from the age of 15, there are many that are very mature that may say, I don't need anyone else. But the fact mm-hmm. that you continuously put in that effort. Let's talk about that effort. What does what did that effort look like and what does it look like? The effort of um, being conscious? Yes, with your father. Well, um, it takes a lot. It takes uh, quite a lot for you to question yourself. I think most of us um, make think we have better judgment of others than we do of ourselves um so because we think um more externally than we do internally which is not the way it's meant to be if we want to have a really uh rich life right Uh, a fulfilling life it has to uh be from the inside out but most of us look from the outside in and that's what makes it very challenging um, and because we are, we, we are predominantly visual beings, so whatever, shine, whatever, whatever is shiny, whatever looks good on the outside, we want to emulate at all times. So that's the first challenge that makes it difficult. But in terms of the effort and what you need to do and, you know, the way forward, um, the moment you first of all admit that I must self-introspect. I must ask myself the difficult questions. What happens is a lot of things align for you. A lot of things makes it possible for you to really just sit down and assess where your priorities lie. You know, what are those things that are driving you? What are your, uh, what are those things that you cannot take? And why can't you take those things? Why do those, why are those things important? to you so that's self-introspection the moment you hit that nail and you move past the initial challenge you're in a better place to actually form better decisions um and then you have mentors that can help you to guide you through it as well because they've made mistakes um you also have um personal learnings from your own mistakes that you can take as well so the, the, the journey or the lesson really is overcome the initial challenge. And the way you overcome that initial challenge is start from the inside out. Have less opinion about others as you have about yourself. <laughs> have less opinion about how you want your child to turn out than you have about how you want to turn out. Because kids, we children are, they are sponges. You can shout from today till tomorrow, but <laughs> leave follow what you do. And it is ridiculous. I have two kids that they would, they would ask me a question out of the blue. And I'm thinking, oh, did that child notice I did that? That I left my slippers um, in a particular way or I took off my clothes and left them, on, left them on the floor? They notice this stuff and they emulate it <laughs> uh, more than what you say. So it's really about focusing on being a better person because the moment you are a better person, you have better um, uh, momentum to grow the kids because they learn better from what they see. So that's what I mean by focusing less on how you want the child to turn out and focusing more about how you want to turn out. If If the definition of what you want to turn out is good, then it's good enough for your children as well. 
I like how you phrased that in terms of introspection and always understanding that they're sponges. Before we go a bit more, I just want to find out a bit more about how you're raising your daughters. But I want to take us back into the, I guess, the somewhat contrast between Western fatherhood and or Western upbringing and non-Western. So from your experience, I understand that it was from the age of 15. So from the age of 15 that you started sort of having that relationship with your father, how would you say that is different from what you've seen here in the Western culture? It was no different, actually. It was okay. no different. Um, my dad uh, owned up to his mistakes, um, showed mm. me his emotions. Uh, I've made my dad cry <laughs> when I had a serious conversation with him, you know. Okay. Um, and he's, he was not afraid to be vulnerable in front of me. And I think sometimes there's a notion that only Western fathers are vulnerable and stuff like that. And the African father is, you know, very strict. It's not always the case. I know of a lot of non-Western fathers, not just African Asians, wherever it is, non-Western um, fathers who are emotionally engaged with their children. So it's not, it's a stereotype to, sort of see it differently at least that was my experience because when i met him he you know yes he did what he could do financing he would try and give me as much as he can at the time he'll whenever he was in nigeria he will come to town and look for me he'll make an effort and we'll sit down not a lot of conversation compared to maybe um my counterpart in the West at the time, which I doubt because most teenagers don't want to talk to their dads, to be honest. <laughs> so, you know, so at the time, he would try and make an effort or sit down um, and we'll have conversations. And as I grew older and we had more difficult discussions, he would open up, you know, he would tell me, see, I messed up. You know, I did this, right? Or, um, or he would say, uh, or he would actually cry and say, if I knew better at the time, I would have made better decisions. Now, from an external person, he still remains very strong, but he opens up to me, and I—that's—that's that's been my experience, right? Yeah. Um, and I know a few other people. Now, if I contrast that to my maternal grandfather's experience growing up. Um, because I had him as a father figure growing up, right? Yeah. Totally different. Macho man, right? Never ever told you how he felt. Um, I remember cases, <laughs> some of them, if I say it now, somebody would probably want to dig him out from his grave and arrest him. You know, really, really horrible things. You know, I'm talking whipping horse whips. You know, you know those horse whips mm -hmm. with six different strands right well, he, would, wow. he would you know that's how we got punished right i remember a particular day we were we were waiting and um uh peeling we were peeling uh, pepper because i was uh, raised a muslim from his side so okay. it was uh, eid mubarak of the of that particular year and yeah. we were getting ready to slaughter the um uh, slaughter the ram and all that stuff and he just came home in a bad mood and i remember my uh, uncle at the time who was just about a year older than me was peeling pepper was you know stooping low peeling pepper and yeah. my grandfather kicked him and he went diving into pepper <laughs> wow. trust me, there's some stories i can tell you he was in a bad mood right oh, because okay. it was it was a it, remember um 
the culture, the African culture is still very misogynist in nature, heavily. Yeah. The man remains unquestionable. His anger is unquestionable. All those things are very, very unquestionable. So I can't really tell you why he did it, but I just remember he was in a really terrible mood, came in, kicked him, the boy went plunging into pepper. <laughs> Right, it's 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 so look at that contrast against mm. my father, right? Yes, he wasn't yeah. present, and I could sit down and you know beat myself up. Oh, I didn't know him until I was fifteen. Therefore, all the problems I have in my life now is <clears throat> is because of him. But yeah. I chose to look at the vulnerable side that he revealed because that's also powerful. I need that now. I'm not painting my grandfather as. Uh, the devil either because he, he did try they he is based on what he knew at the time if he knew better he would have done better okay so in essence because what i'm hearing now so i it, i guess it really does come down i like what you talked about highlighting the stereotype that's associated with african fathers and not western and non-western fathers and it's interesting how you've now in essence you talked about how it's a personal characteristic difference that separates mm -hmm. people having mm -hmm. a father i think for me it's one of those things where i don't know if you've heard the first episode we had but for myself i've had a father present in the house for a very long time he's not in the uk now but i always struggled because the age difference was there mm. so my dad was at this time my dad's 76 and i'm 24 so the age difference is 52 so mm -hmm. it's always been 52 mm -hmm. and I, I i sort of when I think about it, I think about it some way in terms of the relationship you had with your grandfather mm -hmm. or that being with my father mm -hmm. and my question is because with this podcast we've had a lot of I've had a few conversations with people that they say that oh you know African parents you know African all this and that how mm -hmm. can they really not say change their fathers to become more vulnerable or how can they really build that relationship that's associated with a tight-knit father daughter or father son relationship yeah to i think there's some there's wisdom in knowing when a ship has sailed um oh, okay. and um waiting for the next train or the next ship hmm. um if that's the case i think um if you're an adult um yeah. and you have your own children and you have you know your own life to build i think there's a point where you have to reconcile with the realities of your past and try and move to a better future because in my days of mentoring young people and i see this a lot because i mentored quite a lot of young people uh in the uk um while i was a youth pastor in the church and we would have this conversation about parenting and people will say, oh, <coughs> excuse me. People will say something like, oh, my, my daddy is inconsiderate. Is this, you know, I'm just, the boy is just sagging his pants, right? It's not a hood, it's not, it's not in a gang. He just saw it on TV, wanted to emulate it, innocently sags his pants because he innocently thinks there's nothing wrong in sagging your pants. Yeah. Um, his dad comes, makes it, you know, you are, you, you are a bad child, you are this, you are going to go to jail. And all that really 
um, misplaced anger which the dad had or the parent had um, shown in that child's life that child will come to me or that teenager will come to me and say how do I manage it you have best of both worlds you grew up in Nigeria you're here maybe you might be able to help us bridge that gap and I would always look at them and in some cases I've had to tell them give up trying to change your parents just make sure that you build character see the good in what they're trying to do your dad was only trying to get you out of jail that's all he knows the way in what he's doing is how he knows to do it so it's the shouting it's it's through physical abuse because that's how he was raised as well so you can't really hold on hold him to it for the rest of his life at some point you're going to have to move on and then start to correct it in your own life as well because funny um it's it's genetic there's some things that are genetic that okay. you could you could think you're better dad it's only when you have children <laughs> then you start to see the signs of your father in you as well <laughs> so you you want to be it, it it goes back to that point about self-consciousness that i mentioned yeah. earlier right Go into a place where you move past trying to correct the wrong of, of, of the past. You be a better person. Define, do you want to have children that can speak for themselves? Or do you want to have sheep that will just follow what anybody else says? There's nothing bad in either. Some she- We need sheep just as much as we need wolves, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's part of life. It's okay. Just determine what you want to have in your child. If you if you want to do that, and then be that thing so that that child can emulate it. Not so much about talking it and talking and talking and saying shouting, shouting. Because what happens is you end up passing your trauma to that child as well. Because children are really, really trying to figure out things. Most of the time, we're telling them do this and do that, and we forget that their brain is still forming. My brain probably did not form in in terms of um, being able to put logic together and understanding my emotions and my hormones and stuff. Maybe until I was in my thirties, <laughs> you know. Now it doesn't mean that I didn't make good decisions. It doesn't mean that I wasn't smart. It doesn't mean that I wasn't. But the thing is, the, your body is a complex system. There are all sorts of chemical reactions that are going on in your body at any point in time. So we must be able to realize that we are a mixture of biology as much as we are um, psychology, right? So you can learn all the arts in the world, but also understand that you, you possibly could end up showing the same traits that you disliked in your father because all you have to do is raise a child who in your time it was sagging pants in their time is doing drugs in your time is um it was normalized to sag pants in their time it's something else that you think oh no this is uh, in my time we were better off you know we the, the best we did was we hung around the uh, hung around the block that was the best yeah. we did <laughs> right so uh, i'm all that's the worst we did you know so you you have to realize that times change and really being patient and stuff with that self introspect and ask that question first and then slowly 
try and make that change real in your life and exemplify it and hopefully the kids will now I've, I've seen kids will have great parents and they still turned out to make their choices there's no perfect mm. parenthood unfortunately nobody prepares you for it you could do all the right things that you think oh send the uh, let the child be god fearing know god from an early age all that stuff and that child might at some point in their life based on biology or psychology behave in a certain way yeah so you know it's there's no there's no perfect picture because perfection itself is an illusion i like that i think before before we run out of time i just wanted to understand your 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 approach to now raising uh, your two daughters and mm -hmm. because i think i guess i don't know that I always believe that, of course, there's different approaches to raising a son and raising a daughter. And bearing in mind you had the experience growing up in Nigeria in terms of the family or how families are brought up, fatherhood. What's been, how have you tackled raising your two daughters? Good question. Um, I think, first of all, I don't think the difference is too glaring uh, in okay. terms of how to raise a son and how to raise a girl. I, I, I really don't think it is. I think it's a personal choice uh, based on what stereotypes you uh, have accepted as a reality. What do I mean? Um, when people make such statements, typically they might give an example of, oh, with a boy, you can play football. You know, with a girl, it's dollhouses. But yeah. the truth is that girls will are playing football, so it's a stereotype, <laughs> right? Um, oh, I want a son that can inherit my empire. They're women that are doing brilliantly well, <laughs> right? Um, you know, um, Adriana Hoffington is one, right? They're women, there's several women, Cheryl is uh, uh sandberg is one there are all sorts of women doing fantastic things um in business as well so i think that's the first point now there's some other things that i feel that there's a difference and that's where okay. the slight difference in how you raise a boy and a girl um because of the biology elements uh biology um elements of a boy is very logical thinking so therefore uh, the way you would raise him or you should raise him should also have a lot of logical approach. So for example, when you tell him to do something, I think that you should explain why, because the man or the boy biologically wants to think logically, at least in most of the time, right? So he wants that explanation. A woman is more um, um, uh, experiential um, and filled with intuition filled with uh, a lot of emotions so you want to make sure that you're careful um, you're a bit more tender with your words and stuff like that so i think those are the subtle differences um not so much the activities so to answer the question about you know uh, my choice on how to raise my girls i think the vision i have for for them um, um is a vision where they are thinking girls they're thinking individual they don't just accept what the 
uh, society tells them is the norm. You know, a woman is not supposed to do this. A woman is not supposed to do that. I don't want to raise those sort of girls because if I had boys, I don't want to raise those sort of boys either. Who we'll think a oh, man is supposed to do it? A man is supposed to sleep around. A man is supposed to do it. No, I don't want to raise that either. Right. So any stereotype, I do not want to raise it good or bad. I want to raise my girls as human beings. They understand as they grow up that hopefully there's a point they walk, they enter their consciousness and they understand why they're alive, why God decided to bless us with them and bring them to earth. And I'm just creating an, an, an enabling environment for them. And hopefully when they come of age, they're able to become their own person. They don't have to inherit my empire. They don't have to, they don't have to do any of those things if they don't want to. They come yeah. to their full potential through self-realization, through understanding that they were not a mistake, that God gave, uh, gave them to us for a purpose and they also have a purpose. So um, I think that's my approach. And that's a difficult thing because um, it means that when I want to shout, I have to reason. When I'm angry, I have to learn to walk away and just come back or breathe. Um, or I have to learn to also raise my voice when I need to raise my voice to get my point clear, right? Um, I, I need to smack if I, you know, without leaving bruise, um, um, smack or uh, uh, show consequence, some level of consequence, go face the wall. Uh, or no toys for a particular period. I have to also show that discipline because purpose in itself, right, takes a whole lot of discipline. <laughs> so mm. you might hate it as a child, but trust me, it will be very instrumental growing up for you. It's difficult um, to stay on purpose. There's a lot of distractions. Absolutely. So you need self-discipline. So um, the difference is that while I'm disciplining them, I would choose to also explain it to them so that it makes sense. So that when they grow up, they don't resent me for being hard because their perception yeah. is hard. Most of us, our perceptions are off about our parents when we think about them in a negative way. They were just, I mean, I think about it. My mom was 20 or so when she had me. <laughs> oh, you know, it's like, that, that is very young. Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, she, she still wants to go out clubbing at the time. She still wanted to party. <laughs> so yeah. I can hate her and say, oh, she left me in Nigeria and she moved back to the UK and all that stuff. But the truth is, she was only 20-something. <laughs> right? I'm 30-something. I'm still trying to figure out my life. <laughs> so it's, oh, wow. it, it's, it's, it's really learning to be patient with your parents as well because you will need yeah. it at some point with your kids. Um, I'm so sure that at some point my kids will think I'm a terrible dad. I think they would. It's okay. I'm, I'm, it's all right. I'm not. I'm not trying to get their approval um, because I've done the hard work on myself. Yeah. Right. I'm not trying to validate myself. I'm not trying to correct the wrong of my childhood. So I'm not overcompensating, or at least I try not to overcompensate. So I allow them to do what they can to become who um, they can be, right? But I also draw the lines because um, one of my favorite texts uh, from the words of uh, uh, King Solomon in the Bible 
because um, I believe in, in the Bible, right? Um, I love the way he says it. It says, do not um, um, wipe off the Asian landmarks that your father, the, the, the landmarks of your forefathers. Do not okay. remove that. Do not remove the boundaries. And I think that's so wise because we need fathers who put boundaries, good boundaries. Help us with boundaries. Help us say, okay, we've got to do this. And when I say father, it could also be a mother because a single mother could be listening and she's the father and the mother to that child, right? Because fatherhood is a state. It's less about genitals. It's a state of mind. Mm. You know, I didn't, I didn't have as much father figures in my life growing up, but trust me, <laughs> those women that raised me, they were fathers. They knew where to draw the line. They knew where to, uh, um, to, to discipline me when I was going out, right? When I, I was going off those, uh, so it, it's critical for us to not just box, you know, being a father to being a, a, a gender being a male it's a characteristics that's why it's not remember the statement i started off with right you are not a father because of the seed that you've given birth to you're a father yeah. because of that responsibility of that accountability of that strength that you bring beyond just having children definitely write that down okay yeah i like so i like that like so I think I, I think it's it's critical for us to just really see what fatherhood really is. I, I think that um, fatherhood is beyond just gender. I really think so. I think it's about coming to that self-realization. And the same thing with motherhood, right? You're not a mother just because you gave birth. <laughs> there are a lot of people. That's why some women will abandon their babies and leave them on the dump because... I mean, we've heard of a story here in the UK of a woman who strangled her, her I think it was a five-year-old or something. And when they asked her, um, it was because she felt like that child was uh, stopping her from, uh, was disturb disrupting her sex life because she felt like she couldn't go parties anymore because she had to be at home. So she strangled that child. She went to jail. This was uh, two years ago here in the UK or last year, some, somewhere along that line, right? So you're not a mother just because you gave birth either. Motherhood is the nurturing side. It's like the fathers draw the boundaries, the mothers nurture, they grow things, right? They, you give a woman a sperm, she gives you a child. You give her a house, she gives you a home. You give her trouble, she gives you double trouble. <laughs> so it's because of nature. <laughs> exactly by nature they are multipliers and nurturers so parenting has less to do with gender has more to do with the spirit behind it has more to do with um the 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 guidance that they give has more to do with that than anything else okay i think because i was i'm mindful of your time i think we've gone over the time that you had available but i just mm -hmm. wanted to finish with one question You've highlighted it for advice you give young people not trying to change their fathers, mm -hmm. but more so building the character that they want to um, have for their own family when they grow up at that stage. Before mm -hmm. we round this up, I always want to find out, because we have had fathers listening to this, and I've had conversations, very tough conversations with people calling in. What advice would you give the fathers based on the concept of 
Western way of doing things or non-Western way. I understand that you said it's a stereotypical idea. There's a difference. But what mm -hmm. advice would you give the fathers? Um, my advice to fathers really would be start with yourself, really. Start with yourself. Um, have those difficult conversations with yourself. Just because you think the way your father or your parents raised you is the best way does not mean it's the best way. Um, um, and, and that's vice versa. Right. Um, if your parents treated you and had conversations with you and were less uh, 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 disciplinary uh, disciplinarians, or they 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 hit you less, um, it doesn't mean that you can't learn the art of consequences. Even if you're not going to hit your child, it doesn't it it doesn't stop you from being a disciplinarian. Discipline is not uh, yeah. corporal punishment. It's not, right? So really starting with yourself and really asking yourself that question. Um, and I think the second one would be model what you're trying to do. If you want your child to be great at school, let that child see you pick books up and read. Mm. You know, leave books around the house. Um, when you're buying Christmas presents, buy books buy less of those Game Boys and things like that because there's a warped parenting mindset in the West that if you don't take time, it will come back and bite you. There is a warped way of parenting. That's why you're seeing some of the social ills that you're seeing in the West. So it, nobody has a perfect system. Africa yeah. has the same issues. Everywhere has the same issues. But the difference with um, most of the West versus Africa is we still give chance to those middle ground people. People who are not on or extremes of discipline and, oh no, Johnny, I'm your friend, you know, don't be upset, <laughs> you know. Um, so with no extremes, mm. right, there's a middle ground where you're friend to your child, but you're also a disciplinarian or your parents you know your teacher just as much as your counselor your coach your all those things but you cannot be all those things or even one of those things if you don't start with self retrospection so first thing is really self-retrospect second thing model what you're trying to achieve and i think those are the best examples um the third if any is don't be too hard on yourself okay um, your life mission is not to be a great dad. Your life mission is to be a great individual. Being a great dad will be a consequence of being a great individual. It's difficult to be a great individual and not be a great dad. Mm. And wow. that, will be, that will be my advice. That's, I love that. Life goal is a great individual, not great self. I think that's an excellent place to end it with. But Thank before you. we end it with, before we end it, I just wanted you to, to highlight the books so that people that are listening can go and have a look at the books because I think it gives a bit more insight, especially the Proverbs of a Yoruba man. Just some of the mm -hmm. publications you want to share. Okay, so Proverbs of an Inspired Yoruba man. One of um, I have sixty uh, proverbs that I put together. It's available on Amazon. Um, so people can pick it up and some of the proverbs um, I think I've even got a copy here next to me let me see if I've got something on parenting in in there somewhere right um, because 
what I did was I split it into 60 parts and I would talk about uh, things like integrity or investing in your children. So this is a perfect one. Let's go to uh, on page 151 of the book, for example, there's a Yoruba proverb and I've, uh, I would share that in a second. Okay. Yeah. So part 41 of the book, uh, the title is invest in your children if you have one. Okay. Um, and there's, uh, 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 there's, uh, there's the Yoruba proverb says any meaning a baby will be familiar with the person that carries and dances with it. Okay. Right. And what that is telling you that you're about dictum is telling you is that yes, if you, if you, um, want your child to be a forever part of your life, you need to learn to dance with that child learn the intricacy of that child learn how you know how to handle that child and you'll get the best child in the end or at least the you know best based on your own definition so um yeah. that that just gives you an example and the book's available on amazon you can get it on uh is in wa smith online uh waterstones as well online so you can pick it up anyway excellent and for those that want to get in contact with you what what are your social media handles or how can they get in touch with you? So just type my full name um, on Google and you would find something. You would find my Facebook, my Instagram, my social media. It's just my full name, Sean, S-H-E-U-N, David, O-N-A-M-U-S-I. Um, and you'll find me there. I've also got a, 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 a page called Still Dapper. And that's um, um, my nickname, uh, which also happens to be the name of my uh uh, registered company in the UK so you can find me in, on those two through those channels excellent and I'll be sharing this on the comments section and just to let you all know you'll listen to this episode comes out on Friday but on Saturday every Saturday at 6 p.m. on IG live we have an interview with our guests this Saturday we'll be having an interview from 6 p.m. IG live with David himself so just to let you know that Everything that we're doing here is beneficial. And I really, really appreciate you because I know this was a short turnaround. Mm -hmm. And I truly, truly appreciate you sparing the time. Thank because you. I know I know you miss God you want to be gardening right now. But mm -hmm. I really appreciate <laughs> I really appreciate you coming. Okay, thank you and All take right. care. Awesome. I'll be in touch. Thank you very much, Nate. I really appreciate your time. Thanks. Excellent. Take care.